Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Non-Sucking Nerds. Tonight, we're going to need you to unplug that Player 2 controller, but tell your little brother that he's doing a really good job. Joining me as always is my Player 2, Ian. How's it going, bud? I'm always Player 1. <laughs> everybody knows Player 1's the best one. Well, yes, exactly. Uh, things are going really well. Uh, today marks the first week of August, uh, at least as we're recording this. Uh, so well, we're we back! A little bit... <laughs> yes, we're moving a little bit further past the sweltering heat of summertime in the Midwest, uh, where you start to melt when you walk outside. Um, Dude, yeah. And there's no relief because it's usually like 90% humidity. I'd say, and you can always so. tell if somebody's from the Midwest because they will always say the phrase, it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for this humidity. That's that's a very Midwestern thing I've noticed. And, well, and like out like Southwest too. Unless you're in, like, Arizona or Southern California. In which case, in which it's case, death all the time. Correct. In which case, you walk outside and your ass literally gets lit on fire. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I've been out to Cali uh, right around this time of year, and it is it is a completely different beast temperature-wise out there versus how it is here. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, usually my forays into California were January, April-ish. Okay. Uh, so it, the temperature was actually really nice. It was L.A. both times, actually. Um, oh, right on. I was actually in L.A. when uh, Kevin Smith has, had his uh, infamous heart attack. Oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, I was in L.A. at uh, when uh, the day he was performing and had his heart attack. Oh, I was, didn't see him. I well, was there right. for business. But, um, yeah, so. Man. Uh, anyway. Well, he just so, turned 51, so happy birthday, Kevin. Well, not today, but recently. So happy birthday, Kevin Smith, if you ever happen to uh, hear this. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, happy birthday. Um, love your work. Oh, yeah. I uh, haven't watched He-Man yet, but it's on my watch list, and I'm yep. really looking forward to it, uh, in spite of what of all the Luddites on the Internet are saying. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> um, anyway, we digress. Uh, there's our first non-sequitur of the night. Yep. So, uh... <laughs> Yes, tonight we are talking about uh, retro gaming. Mm -hmm. uh, so something that we're, we're admittedly fans of. Um, yeah, do, can we call it retro gaming if that's what we cut our teeth on? I mean, at, at, at this point, I mean, like, I was scrolling through the radio think, the other day. Think that, oh. Yeah, I, I think to the Zoomers, maybe it would be. <laughs> Retro gaming to us, it's just like Games. childhood, right? Well, like I was saying, I, I scrolled through, the, I was scrolling through the radio the day, just getting stations and heard some songs. Like, oh man, I remember these! And then they use, they said something along the lines, "All right, we're playing the best of of oldies." I'm like, wait, no, this is this is the '90s music. Oh God, <laughs> oh God, U95 classic rock, and they're starting to play the Spin Doctors. Oh. Uh, You're getting awfully buddy. close there. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, retro gaming. So, we're kind of talking about the old school stuff. The school, the stuff that Tim and I grew up on, we cut our teeth on. Um, my cousin lovingly babysat me on. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I've told you this story, but if not, then uh, I'll share it with you. I got into gaming when I was like... Well, I'm going to pull out an old man phrase and say knee-high to a grasshopper. Um, and uh, my my cousin uh, used to babysit me, and he's about 10 years older than right. I am. Yeah. Um, his mechanism for babysitting was 
he had an, an original uh, Nintendo Enter- Entertainment System, or Famicom, as it was known in Japan. Yep. Um, and he, uh, like, he, I watched him play it one time, like, he was playing the original Mario game, <laughs> and he's like, hey, you want to play this? So he, like, handed me the controller, showed me how to do it, and then promptly went and took a nap for, like, three hours. <laughs> I mean, and then you're when not he woke dead. Up, I, right, when he woke up, I was still playing Mario, and I was actually really good at it. Nice, so. nice. That was... Uh, that's a story that he and I love to, to you know, just kind of to share with people when we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in groups, because it's, it's funny. Right. But, yeah, so... Retro gaming. Um, what was your first... The uh, game system. The the first game system that I remember having in our house was an Atari twenty six hundred. But I was re yeah I was really little. Like I remember having it. I don't really remember playing it though. Um, the first one that I remember playing was actually uh, my uncle uh, used to live like right down the road from my mom, and I would ride my bike down there to go play Duck Hunt and Mario on that combo cartridge. Usually it was du- usually it was Duck Hunt between the two. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my family really didn't have game systems until, yeah. like, I'm, I'm the oldest kid. Um, you're the youngest, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the oldest kid in my family, and we really didn't have game systems until, like, you know, I basically begged my parents and <laughs> got a Nintendo, uh, like a class, classic, original, you know, American-released uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, so not the Famicom. Right. Uh, Nintendo Entertainment, uh, Nintendo Entertainment <laughs> System you, finesse. You, I'll say, you gonna make it tonight? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> which is actually uh, over in my closet uh, right now, in, uh, in a bag with a bunch of games. Um, I probably should pull it out, dust it off, and put it on my shelf with the rest of my consoles. Because uh, let's see, I've got a, I've got an Xbox One S. I've got a game, or uh, sorry, a Nintendo Switch dock. I've got a uh, GameCube, a PS2, <laughs> and my Super Nintendo, uh, actual like full size Super Nintendo. Yeah, nice. Um, that are all all sitting in my my bedroom. Uh, that, Pretty much right behind me, actually. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, all sitting in, in the in the bedroom right behind me, uh, hooked up to the. Well, they're not hooked up, but they're you know lovingly on display on the, the TV stand. I have on the TV in the, here in my office. I have uh, an original Xbox, a backwards compatible PS3. I, I'm kind of happy about that one. Uh, an original Nintendo and one of my two Dreamcasts. Did you ever get a hold of one of those Dreamcasts with, like, the special... Was it the Ethernet adapter or the modem that yes, you were looking for? Yes, I, I got a hold of the Ethernet adapter. Um, ironically, like, whenever I go to, like, garage sales or whatnot, which these days are few and far in between, sadly, I always look to see, like, if they've got any old games, see if there's, like, any, you know, odds and ends... Once Hashtag my coll- thanks, COVID. Right. Uh, like, any odds and ends games, like, that I can add to my collection, you know... Or, like, a gem that somebody has. They don't really know what it's worth. I pick it up for cheap. Cool, I have it now. Um, right. Somebody had a bunch of Dreamcast games and a Dreamcast. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll pick up this these two games. And I, I looked at the system. I'm like, I already have a Dreamcast. I'm like, oh, what are the odds that this thing has an Ethernet cable on it? Turned it around. It, ha- it had the Ethernet hookup. And Tim promptly shat himself. Yeah, because those things, like, on eBay, like, secondhand markets, they're, they're expensive. Um the guy had ten bucks on it, and it was the system, two controllers, and a memory card, and then of course all your cables took it up. And I'm like, 
all right, so I, I kind of pick it up, don't really say anything, and grab a couple games. Like it was, it came, it was like forty bucks. Dude's like, oh, you're buying all my Dreamcast stuff. I said, ah, oh, there's a couple games over there. He says, oh, I'll tell you what, I haven't touched that thing in years. I'm not even sure if it still works. You grab all the games that are over there with it, and I'll sell you the whole thing for twenty bucks. Okay. So, Meanwhile, Tim is sweating in yeah. anticipation, going, yeah. please, 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 please. Yeah. And I, I can happily say the Dreamcast worked. I, I did have to uh, adjust the laser eye on it, which was kind of a problem with those, but that's simple fix. Uh, the Ethernet right. adapter works perfectly. All the games work perfectly. The, the memory card works perfectly if you have it plugged into a controller. I've put different batteries in it. It will not work as a standalone VMU. I'm not sure why. But if you have it plugged in, it works as a memory card. So I have an extra memory card. So Nice. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, again, I had, the f- I had the original NES. Um, I've got a truck ton of games. I've got the, uh, the light gun for oh, the yeah. Nintendo. Which, which does um, not which work is- on modern TVs. Wait, correct. Uh, for those of you that didn't know also, when you had the old, uh, uh, older you know, tube television type things. Uh, one of the fun tricks for Duck Hunt was you took the light gun and you shoved it literally right up next to the screen, like yep. touching the screen and yep. pulled the trigger, and it would register the entire screen as the blast radius. Yep. Uh, so you could insta-win Duck Hunt. Yeah. Uh, which was fantastic. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so I have that, and uh, I have actually, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still in there, but I had it when I was growing up, and I, it should still be within that, that bundle of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Game Genie. Do you remember Oh, those? man. I, I was, I remember who I was talking to the other day, but that got brought up, and like, like cheat codes, like it used to be, like some games, well, a lot of games, had push-button cheat codes. Like, you, you know, you... Uh, yeah, I think the most famous one being the Konami code. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, push button cheat. I mean, th- there's games that even relatively recently that had cheat codes. I was actually right. talking to, um, uh, my brother's friend, the, uh, this past weekend, yeah. uh, uh, Morrowind, uh, had push button cheat codes. I'd forgotten about that, but like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you, it's you, not you as, could... oh, go ahead. Yeah, you, you did a, a button combination, like you went to the start menu, you did a button combination, and you exited, and it would you, you had to do three different combinations, but it would give you unlimited health, unlimited mana, and unlimited uh, stamina. But it wasn't Bad. like, it would never go down, it would just deplete, and then instantly, like, <laughs> like it would go down and then instantly pop back up. Not bad, so not bad. If you fought something strong enough, it could kill you. Right. If it hit you, if it hit you hard enough and fast enough, but... <laughs> Yeah. In, anyway, uh, yeah, push button cheat codes. Yeah. Um, I say, and, and the game genie. I mean, that was, I mean, very much an unlicensed peripheral, but it effectively allowed you to, for lack of a better description, hack the game, and it would, you know, it would change the way. Pretty much, you would take the the cartridge, not the disc. You would take the cartridge of your game, pop it into the game genie, and then plug that into the console, and effectively, all the data from the game cartridge would pass through the game genie. And it would change the way that you know that certain data values were read by the system. So the system may yep. think, "Oh, I'm not supposed to take down their HP when it gets hit, or I'm supposed to not take away money when they buy something from the shop in the game." But it seems like stuff like that nowadays is relegated to like paid DLC, <laughs> paid DLC or mods, yep. whether they're mods, yep. sanctions, you know, whether they're sanctioned or unsanctioned mods. Yep. 
uh, you know, fan mods, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. And that's that's the nature of the the game anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, no pun intended there. <laughs> um, just everybody, you know, they don't have those kind of peripherals anyway. I mean, what are you going to plug it into? Damn near everything is is either disc or digital these yeah. days. Like, which which I do need to bring up something on the show. Speaking of digital, Ian, what? What, what was it that you was rec- What was it you recently picked up? Remind me again. I forgot. I bought a I bought a grill. And what what, what brand is this grill, Ian? Um. <laughs> oh crap! What? This is my most smug look. George, George Foreman, I think it was. You, you, you um, sure it wasn't Sony brand? Uh. No, they don't. They don't make grills. Uh, um. <laughs> They just, uh, you know, whatever they make just generally overheats. Um, yeah, so what Tim's alluding to is I did pick up a PlayStation 5, yep. as much as I've... I, I should say I really derided them. I just wasn't really interested in it. Right. And the, the reasoning behind my acquisition <laughs> of a PlayStation 5 um, was, one, I had a little extra spending cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, um, I was recently at Tim's house, as you guys may remember, uh, mm-hmm. when we did our very cheeky, stupid intro where yeah, you know was, I appeared on Tim's screen. It was pretty stupid, um, not going to lie. <laughs> it was pretty dumb. Uh, so um, I was at Tim's house, and I was watching his wife play Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that really hit me straight in the nostalgia. Now, now, I, I, now. I do want to say, when I was originally talking to Ian about getting a PS5, Final Fantasy VII was one of the things I brought up. I said, you know, hey, you'll get to play this. Ian said, and I quote, Final Fantasy VII is not enough to get me to buy a system. Yeah, but then I also <laughs> went back and looked at the other things that I could that I could do. You know, I really enjoyed the God of War games. Yeah, they're, uh, they're good games. So, you know, I'm looking at that, the... Um, uh, crap, what was this? Uh, I had mentioned it to you earlier today, and I can't remember what it was. Um... God of War, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the PC port of that, but you know, I can I could probably play it on on uh, the the giant toaster oven that's now <laughs> occupying the underside of my television. Yep. Um, uh, you, you know, Bloodborne uh, was always looked like an interesting game to me. It, it, uh, it really is. It's hard, but it, I mean, it's it's. I love the art style in that game, though. I, I was actually right. talking to uh, one of our mutual fantasy star friends earlier about uh, oh, uh, Code Vein. And I said, you know, I, I just yep. I couldn't get very far in that game. I'm not very good at those those uh, you know punish yourself kind of games like Bloodborne, uh, Dark Souls, things like that. But like, I love the art style of Code Vein. Same thing. I love the art style of Bloodborne. I'm just not good at them. But I, I love the right. way they look. Yeah. But um, anyway, so in new news, I now have uh, an official toaster oven. It's a digital only version. Yep. Um, because I'm cheap, uh, and I'm—I mean, there's at this point there's a handful of games on it that I'm going to play. So, right. uh, anyway, um, back to old back games, to, though. Yeah, back to old games. Now uh, we're we're pivoting here. Um, <clears throat> the Nintendo Entertainment System was probably the—I mean. There were things like the Intellivision and the Atari well, our, that existed. Our, our, our friend Daniel had an Intellivision. You remember that? Yeah, I was at his house when his dad brought it home. Re- okay, see, like, I, like I, I played it at his house. Like, that was... It was so unique compared to any of the other retro systems of its time. But I think that's kind of... Like, I, I haven't done much research into Intellivision because it's not really something that pops up on my radar a whole lot. But I think the fact that, that it was so different may have been 
kind of what... Did, well, I mean, that and the video game crash of the 80s, but because um, everything kind of suffered from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the Intellivision and the, the Atari were, you know, kind of like the... And, you know, the original Pong machines, obviously, were like the the original OG video game systems. Yep. But they were very niche. Like, not yep. a lot of people really got into them. I really feel like the the NES was where the boom started. Well, they, 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 like, they, they're they what picked it back up after the crash. That's when they, like, they really hit their stride. And it's because they marketed it as an entertainment system and not a video game system. Because right. that was their goal. Well, I mean, and, like... The U.S., we didn't see a whole lot of the entertainment side of things. But, like, in Japan, I mean, they had... I mean, heck, they had a dial-up modem for it, if I remember correctly, that... Uh, I, I might be thinking of the Game Boy, but I remember there was something for the NES that you could do, like, your banking on. If, if I, I, might be, I might be thinking of a Game Boy peripheral, which, I mean, is another retro thing, but... Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it's... They marketed themselves in the States as an entertainment system, which kind of sidestep that notion that people had that video games are not going anywhere, they're not going to be a thing, so they marketed it as something different. And I, I think that well, really yeah. did a, did Nintendo a, a great... That was a great thing that Nintendo did. Right. The other thing, though, is that you have to remember that the, the American Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, was completely different oh, from yes. the, Jap oh, yes. the Japan Famicom. Mm -hmm. The Famicom was is actually short for Family Computer. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you go, you know, go out on the internet and look, yeah. like look at images of the Japanese Famicom. It looks nothing like yeah. the the Nintendo Entertainment System that yeah. we had here in the United States. I mean, the NES was a big gray box mm -hmm. that had a little flap that you shoved the cartridge in after you yep. blow in it to make sure that it you know, <laughs> clear the dust off the panels. Which, by the way, was actually not a good thing to no, do. No, no, it was not. But everybody, uh, like, yeah. okay, like. I was talking to somebody a while back about this. Everybody knew to blow the dust out of the cartridge. Who taught us that? Everybody just I, knew it. It's like that I, weird S-shaped S thing when we were in elementary school. Nobody knows where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I think I learned it via osmosis, I think, from another one of my cousins. Although, he was a little bit more violent with his game cartridges so like oh, no. if they didn't oh, work no. if they didn't work he would just bang them on the edge of his bed and then shove them back into the the nintendo or he would that's just painful. like smack the top of the nintendo that's painful um, but usually what was causing that was that the pins were loose and they weren't they weren't registering so yeah i guess it kind of worked because he knocked the pin back into place i i guess but yeah i i actually had um i had a kit a cleaning kit yes yep, yep for same. Yeah, some people may remember these. It was like it was a little kit, and it basically had these long Q-tips, mm -hmm. like these these soft Q-tips, and a bottle of like cleaning solution. And you put a couple of drops on the Q-tip, and then you wiped it on both sides of the pins. Yep. And then there was like this little thing that you shoved in there that it would like clean them and dry them. Yep. And then you could then you put the game back in. I, I don't know. That might be still in the box, <laughs> the bag of crap that I have in the back. Right. Um. I, I actually probably really should go look and see what's in there. <laughs> right. But I mean, I've got probably like thirty NES games in that bag. You, you've I, got I a power know. glove in there somewhere, don't you? Oh man. Uh. You... No, I never. I never. I never had the power glove, and I never had the track mat. 
which was basically oh, Dance Dance I Revolution twenty that. years ahead of time. For uh, mainly for the the track and field game was the big one yeah. that used it. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was the track and field. Like you literally stood there and ran <laughs> on a on a mat. Yep. Like it was, it was like a it was it looked like a uh, a um, uh, crap. What's that game that you? It looked like a twister board. Yeah, kinda. Kind of did. Yeah, it, it looked like a twister board. Like, you just roll this thing out, and you plugged it into the Nintendo, and then you, like, you ran on it. Yep. Uh, um, now we have the the Ring Fit, which is basically the same thing. It right. just sands the mat. And more accurate. True. True. Um... But yeah, the, 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 yes. the NES had a lot of really weird peripherals, because, like, from where it was so big... Like everybody was making stuff for it. Um, I mean, even like even unlicensed stuff. Like there's countless, countless like third party light guns um, that like some of them looked like guns. Some of them, you know, like like some of them look like real guns. Um, some of them obviously, you know, looked more like the the NES Zapper, which you could tell was a toy. Um, gosh, what else? I mean, the power glove that we alluded to. Uh, man, game genies, the mats. Just all kind of like Rob the Robot. That oh, was God. actually an actual Nintendo thing. Uh, one of yeah. my, one of my buddies has a a fully functioning Rob. That like I, you know I I have seen them, but I've never actually seen one in person until then. And I'm like, you know, do you do you mind if I can you show me how it works? He's like, yeah, no problem. So he set everything up, and it's a very rudimentary toy, but it was it was a cool way to interact with your game and a toy, which was kind of I mean, right. looking at you know going to the future there really ahead of its time as far as you know interacting real world stuff with a virtual game you know so it's it, it, yeah, was, it, was, I, neat. it was neat i don't i don't necessarily think nintendo has always revolutionized the industry mm. but they've perfected concepts yes yes if if you look back um you had one of these the playstation 2 itoy that was, was oh my, that was so much fun when it came out though it didn't work most of the time. Well, if you had perfect lighting, it worked pretty good. But that's the it problem: is you had to have perfect okay. lighting. Dude, get, get, getting my okay. getting my grandma to play on that thing though—that was a blast. Well, yeah, but uh, my point was like you know the eye toy was kind of like that first in the you know like the being able to detect what you're doing, and then uh, then Xbox had the Connect, which. Worked better, but it was it never really caught on. Yeah, as far well, as like, well, and when it when it when it didn't work, it failed horribly. Oh yeah, like yeah. I remember when it the first time I I got it, the I first time I got one on the 360 because they didn't have one in the OG Xbox. Yep, uh, it was the 360. Like they they touted you know motion controlling your menus and it was like you know squeeze your hand to like close the app or you know, like blow up your fingers to open an app. You know, you can swipe or whatever, and, like, I'm pretty sure every idiot with an Xbox Connect was sitting there, like, going like this, and nothing was happening. Yeah. And you're just getting more and more frustrated, and you're like, all right, fine, I'm just using the controller. I mean, yeah. I literally used the... I wound up using the Connect for a voice controller. For that, that, that's what I ended up doing with mine. Like, I had a few Connect games, and I know we're, we're kind of jumping ahead a few generations, uh, console-wise, but, uh, I mean, I had, a f I had a few games for it, but at the end of the day, it, it turned into a... a a thing to turn on my Xbox if I couldn't find the controller right away. Right, exactly. And nowadays, I can actually control my Xbox with my Google Home. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like any smart connected device, you can turn on your Xbox with. 
Like I could literally sit here and tell my Google to, to I got to make sure it didn't just pick me up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, tell it to to turn on my Xbox and it would do it. Right. Um. So we've obviously come a long way. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, Nintendo kind of perfected those. You know, these kind of innovations. You know, they they took a. You know, they they took motion controls and made it a thing. Right. They built a whole and, console around it. Right. Not only they build a whole console around it, but they they like made it perfect, with the exception of accidentally yeeting your controller into your television or the right. wall or the wall. Um. Uh, but I mean, they kind of fixed that with the, like the wrist strap things. Right. Um, no, all that they fixed was that was if you didn't use a wrist strap, you could you couldn't sue them. <laughs> well, I mean that they fixed it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Point being is though they they've done revolutionary things, and the where I'm going with that though is jumping back to the <laughs> '80s generation, the Game Boy. Yeah. Oh my a god. Handheld. A, a handheld computer entertainment device is, I mean, it had less memory than, you know, my, the, the clamshells that I'm wearing <laughs> on my head, I mean, in, yeah. in all actuality. Yeah. Um, but it was, a, it was a handheld portable gaming device. Yeah. For anybody that had a Nintendo, like, they were like, oh, yeah, this is really cool, but I, I gotta go on a road trip with my parents to Rhode Island or BFE Nowhere, which yeah. is where Tim and I grew up, so. Yeah. But point being is like y- you go anywhere as a kid and you're like oh I miss my Nintendo I mean nowadays my kids are like oh I miss my tablet right um, but the the original NES or GameCube was this big Game Boy. blocky game sorry Game Boy <laughs> big blocky thing that was pretty huge I mean the game cartridges were about what. Two and a half by two and a half inches. Two, I know two that this, this is no frame of reference for anybody even watching the video. It's this yeah, big. So, I, yeah, I don't have a Game Boy cartridge handy. Otherwise, I would show one. But I mean, they they were pretty good size. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were pretty good size. They, but uh, I mean, it was revolutionary at the time as a gaming entertainment. System. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it sucked battery like nobody's business. I mean, you what get, like, wasn't what? as bad as the Game Gear though. Well, nothing was really as bad as the I, Game Gear. I liked the Game Gear. Everybody liked the Game Gear until you had to spend $47 every week on batteries. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the Game Boy, I mean, I, I kind of talked about this with the NES. The Game Boy was another thing that just had so many accessories for Because the Game Boy was just a single-color screen. The screen, the background itself was green. All the pixels were black. So, it was, you know, a very very simplistic display no backlight on it so there were so many different uh light kits you could get for it that would plug into either the port on the side of it there were some that clipped onto it and used their own batteries to like shine a light on it um the mag you were the magnifying kits that would make your screen bigger and literally it was just a magnifier a, a magnifying lens that they put on a thing that snapped onto your uh Game Boy. I remember I had it was a combination gotta remember what all it had in it. It was a combination screen magnifier light and stereo sound kit. You would literally snap it onto it, plug it into the port on the side to draw power to the lights, plug another cord into the bottom of your Game Boy and the headphone jack that would have two speakers on the side. So I mean it made the thing the, the, thing, the Game Boy was already really cumbersome. It was not 
it was portable, but it wasn't small by any stretch. Like, you know, I, I've got an iPhone. It was probably, man, looking at it, probably three, three iPhones thick at least. And oh, for sure. yeah, I mean, like this is an iPhone 11. I mean, it was There's easily a, yeah, it was easily a, bigger a, than that. It was easily probably three inches thick. Oh, easily. Uh, I, I mean, it, essentially, these kits turned your brick into a cinder block. Yes. Like, like I mean, luckily they, they were they were removable. But I mean, then you got into oh well, you got all these extra accessories. Well, you're gonna need a carry pouch for it, and there were countless carry pouches for it. Some that had oh, a, sure. a fitted foam case to keep it from jostling around. Some that were literally just you know a small padded purse, effectively. You just chuck everything into. Um, and that's not even including like any of the game cartridges, extra batteries. I mean, there was it, it, a it, lot it, of stuff it, for it. Yeah, this, this, it kind of reminds me of the um, the episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where Master Shade gets the cell phone or his cell phone kit or whatever, mm. where it's like the thing that wraps around him and he keeps buying more peripherals yep. for it and yep. it eventually gains sentience. That's that's um, kind of the Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was the original Game Boy, um, and then they came out with you know an updated version of it, which was thinner profile. Still black and white, uh, required batteries. Mm -hmm. Yes, my cat just walked by, which is probably why Tim's grinning. I like Um, kitties. That's what she does. I don't know why. She can't jump up on the other side of the deck. Doesn't have... That doesn't involve me. It's probably just her being narcissistic and announcing her presence to me in the world. It's a cat. Uh, But anyway. uh, Yeah, so then there was the smaller profile Game Boy, which I think was just like Game... It wasn't the Game Boy Advance. It was like Uh, uh, Game 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 Boy Pocket. Yes, that's what it was, Game yep. Boy Pocket, which was just a very, it was a smaller form factor. Still used the same size cartridges. Mm-hmm. Like, you could play the original Game Boy cartridges on it. Yep. But it was a smaller unit and sucked up less battery. I think it only took two AA's, whereas I think the original Game Boy took, like, four yep. or maybe a Deep Cycle Marine battery. Right. Not, I can't really remember. Uh, so Oh, there were also solar uh, panels for the thing, too, which <laughs> did not work. Like, when they did work, they still didn't work. Because um, you would well, have to have, like, remember, direct outside sunlight. Was, yeah. Solar technology back then was pretty new yeah. and very expensive. Yes. But, like, it, it would maybe... Because you, if you had the regular batteries in it... It would inevitably drain those slightly slower. Is all it really accomplished? You could. A lot of companies touted those things as being able to play your Game Boy without, you know, without batteries. No, like you could get it to turn on, and then it would immediately turn off. Yeah. But uh, if you had batteries in it, it would like give you like maybe like a two percent life increase on them, which whoop de doo for the hundred bucks you spent on a solar panel. But uh, I remember. I didn't have an original Game Boy. My first Game Boy was actually the Game Boy Color. Or, no, I had a I had a Game Boy Pocket. I take that back. I had a Game Boy Pocket, and then I got the Game Boy Color like shortly after it came out. Uh, there was some we were doing some fundraiser at school, and if you sold so many whatevers, one of the prizes was a Game Boy Pocket. Well, I remember was it the pizzas. It was either pizzas or, or candy. I don't remember what it was. I think it was the pizza one. Yeah, yeah. We we came from we come from BFE nowhere, yeah. folks. Like we had to do fundraisers in order yeah. to do to get like overalls for the Amish. Kids. Exactly. But uh, I remember the Game Boy Color had just came out when we were doing that, and I had asked one of the event coordinators. I said, "Hey, 
you know, there's a new Game Boy that came out. What are the odds that I, I could maybe get that? And they're like, well, you know, we'll have to ask and see if we can. And they talked to the company that actually did the event. And that company in some areas was actually already doing the... They had already changed it out for the Game Boy Color instead of the Game Boy Pocket. And they're like, yeah, we, we can go ahead and send you one. Just make sure it goes to the right kid. So I remember when they were giving out the prizes, you know, my class was sitting there. And they're like, all right, and I'll see the next prize. Because uh, instead of calling out like, you know... Ian, you got this prize and giving it to you. They're like, all right, uh, who signed up for this prize? Who signed up for this prize? And the guy that pulled it out didn't know that I had requested a Game Boy Color. I said, all right, we got a Game Boy. Who is it? And I happened to glance up and just happened to see that it was a color. And one other kid was like, oh, me, I got one too. And I saw it, and I'm like, actually, that's a special one that I had requested. And they're like, oh, okay. And like, just takes it out of that other kid's hands and hands it to me. <laughs> And, like, I feel bad because, like, he shot me the dirtiest look ever because, like, he looked down and realized what it was. I was like, oh, no, no, give it, give it back. <laughs> so, like, yeah. That's, yeah. But, like, the Game Boy Color, I mean, it's still the same thing. No backlight on it. But the big feature, as the name implies, was it was actually in color. Now, I mean, it wasn't the greatest color, but it was color. And the cool thing about it was there were some, uh, the Game Boy Color games or the ones that said Game Boy Color on them, you could still play it in the original Game Boy. But if you played in the Game Boy Color, they would be in full color. Any of the games that weren't specifically made for it, you could still play on it. And it had what were called color profiles, where you could say, like, okay, well, I, I want to pick the profile that's red, yellow, and orange. And it would, based on the shading of the black and white pixels, would figure out, Colors. So, I mean, it would give you color in your games, but it didn't. It never looked as good as the actual Game Boy Color games. Um, like I remember, it one, was one, color yeah. in air quotes. One of the ones I had that was Game Boy Color that I remember was uh, one of the Duke Nukem games. And I mean that, you know, God. yeah, I know, right? Uh, back when they were good. Um, <laughs> but uh, like that one, like playing that in color on a handheld was so amazing. Like, I had had, you know, I talked about it a little bit ago, I had the uh, Sega Game Gear, which was kind of their answer to the Game Boy. And like Ian said, the Game Boy took four AA batteries. The Game Gear took six and ate through them quicker. But the Game Gear was a full-color backlit screen with stereo sound built into the handheld. So their thing was, well, we're doing everything Nintendo does better. That was kind of their, their whole... Yeah, well, that was their mar that was their marketing ploy for everything they did. If you guys want to visualize, if you guys want to visualize what a game, what a what a Sega uh, Game Gear looked like, basically imagine in your mind a I Nintendo thought. Switch, but with a smaller screen. Basically, make the controller yeah. make the controllers bigger and the screen smaller, and that is the game the Game Gear. Yeah, no analog sticks, just just a D pad and right three two. A couple, a I think couple. it had. So know, it's been it a while since I played it. Buttons. Well, I'm trying to remember now because they I know modeled that, it after. It came out after the Genesis, right? I, I I think it was only two button though. I think it was just A and B, if I remember right, because they could I they couldn't was... fit all the buttons. I know that the Genesis had uh, well either three or six buttons depending on which controller you had. I think the Game Gear only had the two on it, if I remember right. It's it's I, I've right. got one. It's just been years since I've I've played it, but. Um, very similar to what Nintendo did, they brought a lot of their right, games. Yes. So, yeah, they did two? have. Yeah, they only had the. Okay. They only had the two buttons, but they. I think they. No triggers. Can't I really tell. Uh, I can't really get a picture of the back. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no buttons. Um, but apparently it had a DVI out port on it, or I'm sorry, uh, VDA. Yes, VGA, VGA, VGA port yep. out on it. Yep. Well, the, the old headphone style VGA too, which kind of worked. Um, but like the the Game Gear, the same thing had a lot of weird accessories on it. Two that I remember ha- that I remember owning. One was an FM radio tuner where you plug it into the cartridge slot, it actually had a full-size telescoping antenna on it, and you could pick up radio stations as you're going down the road in a car that already has radio in it. But you could listen to a station, you know, other than what your dad's listening to in the car. But the second one that I actually got a lot of use out of was a TV tuner, where you, pl- you plugged it in, same thing, giant telescoping antenna, had an actual... Uh, an analog dial on it to, to go through the, you know, the over-the-air channel stations. And, like, when a channel came in, it actually looked really good on it. And same thing, it was full-color, backlit. I mean, it was that was really cool. Only problem was, if you're driving down the road, you know, you're constantly having to move the antenna as you're going down the road around corners and whatnot to get a better picture. But, uh, like, I would, <laughs> I would even, like, at home be, like, laying in my bed watching TV on that. Like, I thought that, like, that was so cool. It's a portable TV, which, back in the day, portable TVs were, they, they were pretty pricey. Um, yeah, meanwhile, Tim's mom is pissed off because she's having to spend $87 in batteries a week. Yeah. Going, the, what the hell are you using these for? That was one of the first things that she bought me was, was an actual, I don't remember if it came with a uh, power adapter or if we got that separate. But I remember I got one, and like that was the rule. If you're in the house, you use the wall adapter for it. Because it, it ate through those batteries. It was insane. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, the Game Gear, I had a lot of fun, but as with most things in the age of Nintendo versus Sega, Nintendo, even though Sega a lot of times had better features on their stuff, people were buying the Nintendo stuff because it's what they knew. You know, they were more familiar with the Marios and the you know and things like that and the Zeldas and the way that Nintendo did things. I think I think the major problem with Sega was they just didn't have good marketing. I don't think they really yeah. marketed the materials well. Uh, Nintendo really had the game figured out. Like right. they they had decent marketing, they knew how to get people's attention. Yep. You know, they marketed as these as family, you know, family yeah. friendly devices. Yep. You know, not really marketing them as video games, and that was, you know, that was the whole thing. It's like, you know, ooh, people shouldn't be playing video games. You're evil. Maybe, maybe, be you. I mean, you remember Jack Thompson from the mm-hmm. uh, from the '90s and the 2000s, the yep. guy that was saying that, you know, video games cause violence, even though every study out there has said that that is absolutely not true. Yep. Um, they actually say it, it, it improves your eye function, it improves your hand-eye coordination, improves your fine motor skills, improves your memory, improves your... Uh, uh, I don't have memory, apparently. Improves your uh, your reasoning skills, your logic skills. I mean, there's all these tests that show that there are benefits to playing them. And absolutely And in no- point of fact, yeah. in point of fact, folks, for your edification, there are not one, not two, but multiple... Formula One drivers out mm-hmm. there that cut their teeth in video game systems with, mm-hmm. like, the analog steering wheels and, you know, the, the shifters and things like that. Yep. These are people that won video game tournament, racing tournaments, and then were eventually brought in to full Formula One racing yep. teams as drivers yep. and professional drivers that started on video games. So if anybody ever tries to tell you that video games have no purpose in this world, tell them to go sit on a stick. 
Or, you know, look at the countless, you know, esports competitors who that is literally what they do for their job. That is how they make more money than you and I do. Look at all the, the countless YouTubers who do nothing but review or play video games. I mean, you know, shout out to one of my favorites, Markiplier. He literally, that is his day job, is playing video games, and the dude is a freaking millionaire. I mean, yeah, uh, as, as a gamer, that's kind of the dream right there, you know, to make that kind of money playing video games. Right, and it uh, and admittedly, it is very hard to get into that oh, industry. Abs- absolutely, um, yes. As a bit of a you know, as a bit of a a um, anal- uh, you know, a, an anecdote or you know, uh, extra onto what Tim was saying. Uh, the streamer Ninja is probably one of the most highest paid streamers out there. Oh God, uh, yes. I believe in. Uh, I, I did a study on this for one of my classes. Uh, he. In 2018, I believe it was, he made over 17 million dollars in endorsements and streaming deals, Man. and and just like subscriptions. That is insane. He was literally the highest paid streamer of that year by an exponential amount, like yeah. double what the next person was paid. So, yeah, if you want to tell me video games, I've no place in this world exactly but i know kind of going back what we were saying the whole uh, sega versus nintendo sega's whole marketing ploy and i'm sure you remember this tagline we do what nintendo don't was was their whole thing that was kind of their their whole their whole it's it's a you know my console's bigger than your console thing was sega's whole marketing ploy and i remember it that a lot of those commercials did nothing to tell you they didn't really. They, they. I hate to. I hate to use this analogy because we don't get political on here. But it's very much a, a political campaign ad. They never really told you why they're the best choice. They just told you why the other guy is the worst choice. And that was kind of what Sega did. Like they they would tout some of their features, but the majority of their marketing was Nintendo bad, Sega good. Ugh. Yeah, and again, like Nintendo really positioned themselves as a family friendly, mm-hmm. family friendly unit. Um, that was affordable, accessible, uh, and uh, everybody knew Mario back then, yeah. too. Like, Sonic was well-known, mm-hmm. but I think he was more niche well-known. Right. Like, well, you really I, I had was... to be into, into the, the old retro, uh, the, the older consoles to be really kind of know right. who he was. I mean, I had a Sega Genesis. Yeah, same, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, I had a Sega Genesis. Excuse I played me. it for a long time, but... Nintendo was your I love. Think when, well, I think when the the it wasn't the GameCube, there was maybe it was the sixty four. Well, I don't know. When one of those systems came out, I traded in my Genesis. Yeah. Like I was like, eh. well, yeah. Well, I remember. Um, I was actually talking about Mario. There was a while back. I was reading a an article, and it was about like pop culture and how uh, some characters are so you know iconic. And they actually polled. It was like a thousand people, and just showed them. Uh, showed them pop culture icons based on things that they knew nothing about. So for video games, the, you know, one of the characters they picked was Mario. And for people that didn't know anything about Mario, they're like, can you identify this person? And they do a ball. It, uh, it is up to thirty-seven, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, they they showed people Mario, and ninety-nine percent of the time, even people with no knowledge of games were able to identify Mario. So Mario is, as far as video games go, the most easily recognizable video game icon. 
Yep. So I mean, that, that says a lot about you know Nintendo's marketing. Even people that don't play games know who Mario is. You know. Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at where Mario is now, like in today's world, golfing, playing tennis, being a doctor, he <laughs> video games, TV shows, mm-hmm. movies, Lego well, sets. Your your son has. When I say movies, I'm talking about like you know animated movies. I uh, say so you know, animated like directed. We're, we're not going to talk about that that movie, are we? No, we're, good. We're not. Good. No, I, I I don't have a I don't have enough liquor in me to talk about that movie. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Lego sets, toys, yep. See, uh, a, paraphernalia. Yeah, plushies, you know. bedding, clothing, uh, personal inner thigh massager. I mean, you you can find Mario anywhere. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, it's me. I'm a baddie, O'Para. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, Mario and, Brothers the movie, Mario Brothers the sheets. <laughs> right, exactly. And for those of you that don't know, actually, the same once Mario found a uh, voice, uh, an actual voice, it has been the same gentleman who has voiced Mario, Luigi, Waluigi, and uh, Wario. Yep. Since uh, they were have all been voiced, he actually does all four of those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice gentleman. I think you met him at a con. Yeah, yeah uh, it was actually at a uh, work conference that I went to. Uh, Charles Martinet. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes, very, right. Very, very, very delightful gentleman. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> this show is educational, folks. Let your kids watch it. <laughs> we do not so, endorse uh, children watching this show. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, please notice the ratings tags on the uh, episodes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they're all set to mature by default. <laughs> Correct. I mean, retro. Yeah. So I mean, we've we've really only talked about like the nin, like the Nintendo and the Game Boy, but yeah. like there was so much out oh, from God back yes. then yeah. that like we haven't even touched on. Like we we talked about the Genesis, and the Genesis was cool. Like it yeah. was awesome. It was a it was like a a sixteen bit system that competed really well with the Super Nintendo. Yeah, the Super did. Nintendo was a 16-bit system, which, for those of you who don't know, the 16-bit system was twice the horsepower as the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was only 8-bit. Well, and the Sega Master System, which was lesser known. I mean, the Sega in the States didn't really hit their stride until the Genesis. Um, yeah. I only know two people, two people personally, that owned Master Systems, if that tells you anything. But I know... Countless that owned a Genesis. Oh yeah. Well, do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the little peripheral for the the uh, Genesis that was like right at the the twilight hours of that system, the thirty two X? Yes, I remember buying four of them, and not a single one of them worked. I was very disappointed in that. Um, but I guess yeah. it, so. For those of I, you yeah. who don't know what it was, it was it was a a peripheral that you stuck in the cartridge slot on top of the Genesis, and then you stuck your game on top of that, and it was supposed to double you from 16-bit to 32-bit. I think there was five or less games, there, yeah, there, actually. There, 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 was like a Sonic, there was like a Sonic 32-bit game that was supposed to use it, but it was a very unreliable yeah. thing. Yeah. So. Like, it, it was a neat idea, but it, it was pretty much a... They were trying to get the last little bit of, of Genesis sales out before they went on to their next system. And they did that by, you know, effectively... I don't want to say lying, but by effectively promising, ne- you know, next-gen quality on your current-gen console, which, I mean, even to today, that doesn't 
always work. I mean, with with, with like cloud gaming now, yeah, yeah, I guess you can get it to work. But like back in those days, that that was really unheard of. Um, but yeah, the 32x that that was a thing. But I remember something very similar to that: the Sonic and Knuckles game, mm-hmm. where you know there was. Oh yeah, there, I, yeah, I know which one you're talking. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, with, there was there was originally Sonic one, two, and three, but then there was also a fourth game called Sonic and Knuckles, which had a cool feature on it. The top of the cartridge actually flipped up. And, like, it was its own standalone game, but if you popped in Sonic 3 into it, as an example, you could actually play as Knuckles in Sonic 3. Because, like, Knuckles was a character in Sonic 3, but you couldn't play as him. This would allow you to play, like, Knuckles' story. And then Sonic and Knuckles was its own, you could play as a standalone game. But if you've ever, any of you that have seen the meme of Sonic and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles, stems from the fact that you could technically take a Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, put it into your Genesis... Stack another Sonic and Knuckles cartridge into that, another one into that, another one into that, and literally make a tower of Sonic and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles and Knuckles. It didn't do anything. You were still playing right. Sonic and Knuckles. It was literally passing the first cartridge through the second cartridge, through the third cartridge, yeah. through the fourth, etc. Little known fact, actually, you could act, you could pop a uh, Sonic Two cartridge into it you and could. play Knuckles. You could play Knuckles in Sonic Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I not everybody. I don't think it did anything for Sonic One, though. I I don't. Think. No, no, was that Sonic One was too old at that point yeah. um, to be able to do it because I think basically what they did was the cartridges were were big enough and it contained enough memory at that point that they could act, basically store the entirety of the first of Sonic Two into the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, right? And then just render the you know the character, um, but uh, yeah. So the the Genesis was the was a it was a really kind of a niche platform. Like, not everybody had one. It yeah. wasn't... Uh, it, it never really caught on. And right. it was competing against the, the the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Again, the family-friendly system. The Mario system. Yep. The system that birthed Super Mario RPG, one of the greatest <laughs> games of all time. Uh, fight me. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's, it's it's no Chrono Trigger, but you know that's a whole other debate. Um. Uh, yeah, you know, no Chrono, Chrono Trigger, no Secret of Mana, but I mean, uh, it was so many good RPGs in that system. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at it. I mean, the the Super Nintendo had every well, the majority of the major SquareSoft. Uh, yeah, that was before they were Square Enix. It was yep. SquareSoft. Yep. Uh, Squaresoft RPGs all the way up through Final Fantasy VI. Yep. I mean, now Sega had, admittedly, I mean, this will come as no surprise to you or anybody else listening, Master System and the Genesis had, admittedly, one of my favorite RPG series, Fantasy Star. Which play completely different than Fantasy Star Online, let me tell you. Um, I, I recently, right. I well, recently went I mean, back... They also had the original Knights, I mean, if you remember. Well, that, that was on the Saturn, which is the next generation. Uh, that's true, yep. sorry, I forgot but, about that. Uh, I recently, uh, because I have the, the Sega Genesis collection for my Switch, I was going through it, seeing what games they had. I'm like, oh, I remember that, I remember that. I never got to play the original Fantasy Star games, and I'm like, oh, they're on there. Yeah, those are those are some old-school RPGs. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Yeah, um, and, and that's actually kind of brings up a good point. You know, the, the, the whole point of, like, retro gaming is, like, we have, we now have, you know, the, the, Nintendo Classic Mini and right. the the SNES uh, SNES Mini, um, the Genesis uh, you Mini, know, <laughs> the Genesis Mini, and there, there's a bunch of like off-brand platforms yeah. that you know that basically it's just like a Raspberry Pi in a case that has 
an emulator that runs like you know a hundred games on it. And right. In reality, you could do that with any. You could do that on your own. You could get a Raspberry Pi and run an emulator on it and have a hundred Nintendo games. Exactly. Um. But I mean, the the memory card in like your in like a camera memory card has more memory than than uh, <laughs> you know any of the Nintendo games combined. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from back in the day, but um, you know we have these classic systems. You know these re-releases, these retro platforms. I have it, a Super Nintendo Classic. It's you know six inches by four inches yeah, and has small. an HDMI plug on it. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've got, got the, you know, the the NES Mini, the SNES Mini, and the Genesis Mini. I, I, I managed to get all three. Nice. Well, let's not forget there was also the PlayStation Mini. I have was that a too. Giant flaming turd because it had no games that anybody actually wanted on it. Like the only one, like Final Fantasy VII. Okay, but a lot of people already have that on literally everything because that's what it's available for now. Switch. Uh, uh, pretty sure it was on GameCube, PlayStation, anything yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, PSN. It's on the PlayStation Store. Steam. Uh, my phone. Steam, um, yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure it's on Xbox Game Pass. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you can't walk through a gaming platform without tripping over the OG Final Fantasy VII. Yep. But I mean, the one that it did have on there, it had some of the original Persona games, which I was never able to get a hold of, like a physical copy here. Um, so it was, it was nice getting to actually play those. I, I've played all the, the recent ones, um, but I think Persona 3 was the first one that I played uh, on the PS2. I hadn't played any of the prior ones, so I mean, it did give me the option, or the ability to play those. Would I buy, if it came out again today, knowing what's on it again, would I buy it a second time? Probably not. But it is a fun little thing to have in my collection. I mean, it's sitting up in my bedroom. I honestly don't think it's it's even plugged in. Mostly because I think I needed the HDMI cord for something else. But anyway, it's yeah. But uh, yeah, and it, th- I think the major kick in the kick in the arse for that one was like it cost like eighty bucks when it came out. Everyone yeah. was like, "Hey, that's really cool. What's your you know what's your catalog?" Oh, yeah. yeah. Now I this I will is, say this that this is eighty dollars. Yeah. I will say, though, that the, the aftermarket modding community, though, has done a lot with the PlayStation Mini. Um, I mean, there are there are people that literally have the entirety of the PlayStation collection on their Mini because of the way it's modded, which, which is insane to me, but... Um, yeah, but again, at the same time, I don't know that that's really something that I'm willing to provide accolades on. Because yeah, exactly. It, yeah. I mean, these these devices are it's literally just a Raspberry Pi with or, yeah, or the equivalent an of yeah, yeah, or an equivalent of a Raspberry Pi with an emulator on it. So like anybody that that is tech savvy could get a Raspberry Pi and put an emulator on it exactly. and run all of these games. I mean, you can get a you can get a Sony a PlayStation emulator for your computer pretty easily online. Yep. I mean, I had a Game Boy emulator. I was playing Pokemon Red and oh, God. Pokemon Red for, you know, a few months uh, on my PC. <laughs> um, please don't sue me, Nintendo. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I owned we, we, the original I owned the original Red and Blue. I still have them around here somewhere. I, I paid for them. Um so yeah, I mean, retro gaming and like if you look at Wikipedia, I mean, like look at retro gaming on Wikipedia. I have the list up in front of me. Like there are so many retro style consoles out there. I mean, yeah. Atari Flashbacks, yep. uh, the Nintendo ones, 
Uh, the uh, let's see, Super Retrocade. Um, uh, here's one for you: the the C64 Mini, which is a Commodore yes, 64 I, Mini. I, I, like I almost picked one of those up just out of the the novel sense of having one and morbid curiosity. But then I'm like, literally, realistically, what am I going to do with this after I turn it on once? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the, a very the, they're a very niche market for that one, I think. Right. Uh, there's also the Neo Geo yep. arcade. You remember that one? Yep. Um, now, now the, that one, like in certain areas of the world, that sold actually pretty well, where Neo Geo had like a much higher market presence than what they did here in the states. True. True. Uh, and you know, uh, you you go into like a you know even like the dollar store, and you can get like a retro style. You know, console that's got you know handheld that's got a few games on it for like right. ten bucks. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I'm not wanting to say I'm not trying to detract and say that you know these retro games aren't worth it. They absolutely are. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's we're kind of in that um, hipster age of retro. Yeah. You know, where everything that and it kind of makes me sad at how old I am. Yeah. You know, everything that I grew up on is now retro and, yeah. and hip and cool, and I'm going, I owned that when it first came out! Exactly, exactly. Um, Get off my lawn! <laughs> uh, but, um... Yeah, so, like, the you know, the retro games of the past, and we, again, we still haven't even really touched on the original PlayStation. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was, yeah. like, when the... I mean, jumping forward from, like, the Super Nintendo Genesis era to the next one up. I mean, we had the Nintendo 64, we had Sony's first entry in the PlayStation 1, or PlayStation at the time, and we had the sadly ill-fated Sega Saturn, which I, I, I never... Did I own a Saturn? I think it really all I comes down to just, did. like, Sega's piss-poor marketing. Yeah. Like, I mean, because it was a, it was a it could have been a competitor to, to Sony. Oh, absolutely! To the to the uh, the PlayStation or the the PlayStation, and even its next generation, the Dreamcast. Like they yeah. could have been competitors. They just they didn't have games. Like they had games, but just it was always you know like usually first party games or somebody that they you know some dude they paid to develop them from their minivan, right, or something like that. It just didn't have well known properties. And it just wasn't marketed very right. well. Well, like, the you mentioned the Dreamcast. One of the things that really killed the Dreamcast uh, when it came out, it was also a CD-based system. They yep. used a proprietary uh, format for how data was stored on these discs. And the whole purpose of it was to deter piracy. The problem was the format that they used actually made it easier to pirate those games. And by the time they started figuring out how to get a, uh, to circumvent that piracy, there were more pirated copies of Dreamcast games out in the wild than there were for new games being put onto this new format. So, I mean, Sega, sadly, just had to cut their losses on it. Um, literally, I, I won't get into the, the specifics of it. If you have a computer with a CD burner, you are already qualified to make Dreamcast games. That's all I'll say on it. I'm not going to get into piracy, but just to express how easy it was. Yeah, but I mean, like the, the Dreamcast computers have CD drives now. Yeah, I, I know, right? Uh, I, I actually have an external CD drive just to make physical hard copy backups of stuff. 
So, like, because, like, flash drives, I mean, there's probably 20 in my office here. Now, ask me if I can find them. Like, there's, I pretty there's much what? cloud storage for everything I mean, anymore. It's See, maybe, maybe I don't know if it's just because I'm a couple years older than you. Like, I don't entirely trust you're, cloud storage. You're not even a full year older you, than me. You, you shush. But, like... You're 360 days older than me. I, I am. Um... Like, okay, I have my flash drive here, which I don't know if, Ian, if you, you can see that. This is the uh, yeah, flash drive from the collector's edition of StarCraft II. It is a... I almost dropped it. It is James Rayner's ID tag, and, like, it, the front of it actually lights up when you plug it in. It's neat, but that one I keep on my desk just because I have all my, like, cool little knickknacks. But, anyway, the, the Dreamcast... Have a dog bone. Exactly. The, the Dreamcast, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. The Dreamcast is... For me, it always holds a special place for me just because it was so unique. Um, I don't think... I think I'm the only one of our friends group that actually owned a Dreamcast. So it was... For me, it was kind of a point of pride that, you know, I've got this thing that nobody else that I know... Like, I don't even... I can't even remember anybody even at school that I wasn't friends with that I knew had one. Um, I remember the... I was always like a single system kind of household. Like, we just didn't... I didn't have more than one game system available and, like, plugged in at a time. So it was, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Hmm. Nintendo 64. Right. PlayStation 2, (laughs) I think? Like, I never owned a PS1. Um, I I had a PS2 because that was, like, the big hot system of the day. Yeah, I mean, when when the PS2 came out, like, it shut everybody else down. I mean, Sony. Yeah. Like the PS One was good. It was unique because it was it was one of the first consoles to go and use discs instead of cartridges, which data storage wise held an just an insane amount more data than a cartridge could. Uh, Nintendo for that same generation on the Nintendo sixty four went with cartridges, and famously, this era is when Nintendo and SquareSoft had their big falling out because Final Fantasy seven was originally going to be an N64 game. But the scope of game that they wanted to make would not physically fit on Nintendo's cartridges. And they begged and pleaded with Nintendo, like, look, all the other competitors, they're going to discs. That's the way things are going to be going. And Nintendo just shut it down every step of the way. So Square said, cool, we'll see you later. And that's how we got Final Fantasy on the PlayStation 1. And for years, Final Fantasies were PlayStation exclusives. And even to this day, even though, uh, with the exception of the 7 remake, the Final Fantasy games are, you know, multi-platform games, but they typically still show a little bit more love to Sony, like maybe the frame rate might be better, or there'll be extra features in it, or exclusive content, or timed content. Um, Or in the case of 7 Remake, it's a timed system exclusive for the PlayStation 4 slash 5 family. Um, They they still haven't announced a release date for any other consoles, even for the original 7 remake, thinking about it. Yeah. um, So, as a little bit of context for you folks, the Nintendo 64 was released in 1996 and has sold 32.9 million uh, systems worldwide. Which is still a respectable number in this day and age. It is a very respectable number in this day and age. The PlayStation 2 <laughs> was released in 2000, which was four years later, yep. and has since sold over 155 million yeah. units. Yeah. Take that into perspective. They have sold more than five times mm-hmm. as many units yep. four years later as the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Now, granted, 
Uh, the let's see, where was the GameCube? The GameCube came in 2000, came out in 2001, so a year after the PlayStation 2, and still only sold 21 million units, yeah. which is 10 million units less than the Nintendo 64. Yeah. See, I, um, I figured that the GameCube would have sold more than the N64. I think wow. the problem was just they they went they took baby steps into things like yeah. they went discs, but they went mini discs. Yeah. And you couldn't really do anything with the mini discs. Yeah. And maybe it was a protection thing where they were trying to be like, with mini discs, people can't pirate our shit. I, I don't know. No, no, you still could. <laughs> yeah, you, you still could. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, for those of you out there who have a CD-ROM drive, uh, take a look. There's a little tiny inset into the, the CD-ROM drive that's actually for mini-discs. Yeah. I, I actually had some computer hardware that rec- that had mini-discs for the install drivers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think that, I might that... actually even have the mini-discs still in my, my bucket of I was going to say, crap. yeah, it was usually for, like... Uh, hardware for your computer it would have the drivers on it because they didn't need to waste money on a full-size disc for like a 50 meg file they could just put it on a mini disc which it's smaller so it's cheaper right exactly but uh yeah the, uh, the yeah the gamecube or the gamecube the uh, yeah the gamecube came out used the mini discs the like i had alluded to the dreamcast kind of faded away into obscurity sadly um I, like I well, said, here's I, here's actually an interesting interesting nugget for you. The oh. Sega Saturn released in 1994, mm-hmm. and it sold uh, in its lifetime 9.26 million units. Okay. The Dreamcast came out four years later in 1998 and sold 9.13 million units, actually less Ooh. than the Sega Saturn. Ouch. So that probably tells you, folks, yeah. you know what, you know where the major major issues were there it's just they didn't there were a lot of issues (laughs) i mean they they just couldn't sell the the system yeah sadly Uh, so sadly yes they just couldn't couldn't sell the 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 platform now current generation platforms uh we see the playstation 5 having sold 10 million units Mm -hmm. uh and the xbox uh xbox series line which is the new new line uh, having sold 6.5 million Mm -hmm. units so PlayStation is still ahead, but I think Microsoft is making a lot of play, very smart plays in the the industry right now. Oh, yeah. uh, which is they are behind on console sales, but I think they are ahead in game availability. Yeah, well, especially with I mean, like, admittedly, I'm more of a I'm more of a Sony guy, but Game Pass is a phenomenal value. I mean, the fact that, like, you know, just recently, uh, the new Halo game, Halo Infinite, had its first multiplayer... uh, They didn't call it a beta test, um, but effectively that's what it was. It was a beta test, but, like, Halo's a series that I've I've always played. I'm not very good at shooter games, but I have played every single Halo game. Sniper Tank! Oh, my God, Sniper Tank, I love that. (laughs) Um, But uh, I've played every single Halo game, usually with Ian, Um but Halo Infinite, I don't have to worry about buying that because I have Game Pass. They're just going to hand it to me. And so, with the acquisition of Bethesda Softworks, mm-hmm. pretty much everything Bethesda ever has done and will do is available yep. on Game Pass. Yep. Which is nice. Like it's it's nice like if I'm ever like feeling bored, it's like I just want to play a new game. 
I can just literally boot up my Xbox, scroll through the list of available games, download five of them, play one of them, and uh, I don't have to pay a penny for them. So even if it's a game that I end up not liking, I mean, yes, I'm paying for the Game Pass subscription, I get that. But I'm not paying, you know, retail price for a game that I might not like. If it's one that I never play, I'm literally out no money because there's thousands of other games that I could I could play as well. So, I mean, I, I have more than gotten my money's worth out of Game Pass. Just the the first month alone I had it, I, cl- I, I added up based on, because I was at GameStop at the time, I went in and even looked at our used prices at the time and added up every game that I had downloaded that I had, I had played at least an hour of. And... I had more than paid for Game Pass for, I think I figured it out to be like five years of Game Pass from just the games that I'd only played an hour or more of. I mean, some of those games I played to completion. So, I mean, I have definitely gotten my value out of it. I mean, now I know Sony has PlayStation Now, which is their kind of answer to Game Pass, but it's all streaming, which, which is great and all, but I haven't looked at it in a while. Maybe their selection has gotten better. But I know a lot of the games I play on my PlayStation are first-party games anyway, which I'm more apt to go out and buy anyway. So it's like... Yeah, when uh, with the, the purchase of my new George Foreman, um, <laughs> I, I, I got it as a bundle deal, and they, I got um, a year of, of PlayStation Access, or PlayStation Now, or whatever they... PlayStation Network, whatever the, the play, PlayStation called. Plus, yep. Yeah, PlayStation Plus uh, service included with it, and, uh, and I was getting it set up earlier today, and I went and I was like, "Oh, cool! You know, PlayStation Now. I can see, you know, I can, you know, grab a couple, of, you know, see what kind of games they went. They have." So I loaded it up and uh, scrolling through, like scroll, scroll, scroll. This doesn't scroll anymore. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. There's there's like thirty, not even thirty games. There's yeah. like twenty four games. Yeah. Oh. oh. Okay. Now, I, I will say that, like, the PlayStation Plus subscription, I mean, that's what allows you to play, you know, multiplayer games online is the big thing. But you also get a selection of games every month. I will say that, like, they do have every, they do have a pretty good selection of games they give you on there. Usually, like, I think it's, like, four games, three or four games you get every month. I'll maybe download one of those, but that one was worth my time. Um, but, uh... Like, bang for your buck, Game Pass is a better value. And as a Sony guy, I'll admit it, Game Pass is a better value. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to retro games. Yep. Uh, since we have non-sequitured yet again. Yet again. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the, the age of retro systems, and I, I've, again, I mean, I'm one of the people that owned a PlayStation 2. You had two of them because one of them caught on fire. Yes. <laughs> Literally shooting smoke uh, out of the front of it, uh, almost killing Tim. Um, so, uh, oh, that's I, I still love that story. It's a fantastic story. <laughs> um, you now I don't remember. Did you buy? You you have the the regular format PlayStation Two. Mm-hmm. Was the second one you bought was that the PlayStation Two Mini or was that um, a full size one? And it, then you also owned a PlayStation Mini. I, I never actually owned one of the PS2 Minis. Um, I thought you did. I, I No, I owned a uh, a PlayStation 1 Mini, but not a PS2 Mini. Hmm. Somebody yeah. I knew had a Mini. I just, a I, PS2 Mini. I just don't right. remember who it was, I guess. Right. But, uh, 
yeah, the, that one blow, literally blowing smoke at me. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that tells you how much uh, mileage that that uh, device got out a of lot. him. Was that a it, lot. It it, uh, it ran itself literally into the ground. <laughs> um, yeah. So retro gaming. I, I don't think there's a really good place that we can draw the line in the sand, like what yeah. we consider retro anymore. I think. Xbox did a made a fantastic move in basically going yeah we we run on a Windows ROM and pretty much everything that ever existed before can run on our platform. Yeah, more or less. Cuz all it, I mean literally all the backwards compatibility is is it runs an emulator. Yeah. That that's real the, all that it is is an emulator. While saying backwards compatibility, the uh PS2 was the first like generational console to do like as far as you know n not considering handhelds was the first like console to do the backwards compatibility because like they would it, well, would it was be really only the, it was really like the only the, it was the first second generation disc yeah. console yeah. like you you can't really say the the sega saturn and the dreamcast were generally i mean they were they were completely different systems yeah like there was there there is no there is no comparing apples to apples there. Exactly. It's which, you know, which, apples I mean, to potatoes. You had talked about you know Microsoft and running their OS. The OS for the Dreamcast is actually designed by Microsoft. If you have a Dreamcast, look at the front of it, and it will say uh, something about Windows CE on the on the front of your console. It was running a modified version of Windows, and that's kind of how Microsoft got their foot in the door for gaming. So, in a very tragic way, if it wasn't for Dreamcast. We wouldn't have gotten the original Xbox, which is why you see a lot of games that came out on the Dreamcast came out on the original Xbox. Originally, Sega's whole pitch to Microsoft was they wanted every Dreamcast game natively to be able to take the disc and put it in an original Xbox and play it, and Microsoft kind of shut that down and did a few ports of stuff, but a lot of original Dreamcast games got re-released on the Xbox after Sega stopped producing consoles. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Nintendo, or I'm sorry, uh, Microsoft did a really cool thing with basically making everything that they've ever produced or available on their platforms backwards compatible yeah. supported. Yep. Um, including even digitizing many of them so that they're available on Game Pass or yep. you know those kind of those kind of things. Um, Sony kind of tripped over themselves a little bit with the PS. Three, yeah. I think a cat just flew, like <laughs> literally flew across my the my background. Probably. Sorry, I just I saw it in my video feed and went, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> it's it's a demon. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, PlayStation, Sony really kind of shot themselves in the foot with their backwards compatibility yeah. stuff between PlayStation Two and PlayStation Three. Well, because like um, the the launch model PS3s were backwards compatible, and those are the ones that everybody. Like, everybody, you know, they, they were selling pretty decent. I mean, they, they were admittedly a lot higher priced than the 360, but people that were Sony fans wanted to get them. And then when they announced, hey, we're dropping the price, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but it's because we're taking backwards compatibility out of the system. Because whereas most consoles do that via emulation, the original PS3s literally contained some of the actual components for a PS2 because of the way that the PS2s ran. At the time, it was incredibly difficult to emulate and have it run well. So that's why the launch PS3s were so expensive, because you were effectively getting a system and a half on it. Then when they announced that they were dropping 
the backwards compatibility, you saw those things flying off of store shelves because people are like, well, crap, if I want one, I better get one now because I have this mountain of PS2 games. I want to still be able to play them on one console without having to switch back and forth. And like I said, I, I'm lucky enough to own one that, that still works. Um, the, the backwards compatible PS3 is like the first gen backwards compatible that would do 1, 2, and 3. Uh, later ones would do 1 and 3, but not 2. Um, and the, the ones, the PS1 games they did via emulation. But uh, the, the ones that do 1, 2, and 3, those are, I'm lucky that mine has lasted this long because those are prone to just breaking down. I mean, at this point, we're up to the PS5 now. Sony had stopped servicing PS3s a long time ago. But I remember there was one Which of my... Is funny, because they just recently stopped servicing VCRs. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, for more As mentioned info... in one of our previous episodes. Exactly, for so more info on that. <laughs> but uh, I remember one of my friends had a backwards-compatible PS3, and he had to send it in for servicing. They, they sent him a system, They said, you know, hey, your system had a full system failure. We're just going to have to replace it. He didn't think anything of it. They sent him a unit that was not backwards compatible. And, like, he fought and fought and fought for months. And they're like, we, we don't produce these. It's We don't have a warehouse of them we can send you. So they ended up... Uh, oh, they ended up compensating him with, like, PlayStation swag and a bunch of free games and whatnot. But he still said that's cool that they did this. But, like, eventually he just... He gave up is what it was. He's like, it sucks that I now will no longer have that unless, at, at this point... Or at that point, those things were selling for more than, than one was brand new. I mean, by a considerable bit. Um, so he's like, so unless I want to pay aftermarket prices to get another one, I'm out of backwards compatible PS3. Like, he tried to buy mine off me multiple times. I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm not getting rid of that. That's kind of a collector's item at this point. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, so... Retro gaming, I think, is definitely out there. Um, one of the things that we haven't touched on, but I'll at least mention, because I think we're, we should probably about wrap up at right. this point. Um, one of the things that I'll mention, though, is arcades. Yeah. Now, arcades were a thing of the past. They really kind of disappeared. But now we're seeing this boom of beer arcades. Yeah. Like, basically, bars that... You, they just buy up these old retro gaming machines, fix them, and, like, arcade machines, and, you, like, people go in there and drink themselves stupid while playing Ninja Turtles or <laughs> uh, the Simpsons arcade game, which was amazing, by the yes. way. Um, or, that's, or, you know, like the Marvel Avengers games. Oh, which, that one was know, a lot when, of fun. When, uh, yeah, it's especially fun when, like, there's four people and the Captain America player doesn't, like, the stick doesn't work right. Yeah. So he just keeps, like, trying to walk in the wrong direction. Yep. Uh, so, retro gaming is going to continue, I think, to be a thing that sticks around. Um, we'll continue to probably see games from back when Tim and I were growing up be considered retro. But, um... I don't know, I think with the advent of digitalization and digital content delivery, I don't know that some of the newer stuff is really going to be considered retro yet. Not, not yet. Maybe I mean, I, I, when we get into that next actual generation, like the next level of gaming, like, full, we've talked about this before, <laughs> you know, like full VR, full dive type technology, then the stuff that we're playing now might be considered retro. Right. So as far as like what's out now, I think like the the PS3, Xbox 360 era for, for me personally, that's kind of the cutoff 
Because, like, you know, Xbox One and PS4, there are still new things coming out for it. So I wouldn't consider those retro by any stretch of the imagination. But PS3, 360, that's that's kind of a, that's a dead genre. Uh, that's a dead generation at this point. That's, and even that's kind of a stretch. Around. Like, I don't want to call PS3 and 360 era retro because that was, you know, yesterday. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but definitely. They're still graphically, they still hold up relatively yeah, well absolutely. if you see if you look at like some of the the remakes and the remasters that are coming out that were released on those platforms mass effect legendary edition just came out it's yep. been remastered mm-hmm. uh, that was a 360 mm-hmm. uh era uh, i mean i owned it on the 360 because right. i haven't owned a PlayStation. i didn't <laughs> previously own a playstation since the playstation 2 yep. so i mean it was a it was a 360 era game uh that that was released mm-hmm. um uh, Nintendo recently released a, a re- remake or a re-release of um, Republic Commando. Yeah, which kind of uh, came Star out Wars of Republic nowhere. Commando, which was an original Xbox game. Mm-hmm. I owned it on the original yep. Same. Xbox. Same. Um, so that was when did the when did the OG uh, two thousand and one is oh when the gosh. OG Xbox came out. So that game probably came out two thousand two, maybe two thousand three. Right. Um. So we're talking about 20, yeah, well, 18 well, well, to 20 yeah. year old game. Our retro now. So, right. I mean, I I don't even know that I would consider that game retro. Right. Like it's see, like like to you it, and I, it holds re- up really well. Like to you and I, retro is original Nintendo or Super Nintendo era. But like to our kids, like you put them in front of even a PS3 and they're like, oh wow, this looks so old. Oh oh god. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think my kids have ever... Uh, my kids have... Actually, they played my Super Nintendo Mini. Yeah. They played the original Mario Kart, and they <laughs> had a lot of fun with it. I'd also forgotten that in the original Mario Kart, all of the NPCs just stay literally in the middle of the track. So it's very easy to just, like, drop banana peels, like, literally in the middle of the track and win the game <laughs> that, that way. Uh, but anyway... I never noticed that. Yeah, no, they the AI was not... Good actually intelligent right a very artificial just not intelligent at all they were yeah. just programmed to stay literally in the middle of the track the entire race <laughs> oh wow i had to go back and play um, that again yeah yeah you should just check it out but uh my point is though is like our kids yeah we they probably consider the stuff that even from 10 years ago as, as retro even right though they probably don't know the meaning of the word retro right um but damn kids Get off my Nintendo! Exactly. Um, don't make me get my light gun. <laughs> or the uh, bazooka for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, that was something that was... we did. I had one of those. Yep. Uh, Dude, I love the, that the thing. Super the Super Scope. Super Scope! Yep. Yes. And the Super Scope actually had, like, detachable peripherals, too. Yeah. So, it, like... You could take the back off of it, and you could take the scope off it, and you could turn it into a handheld. Yep. Or you could, you know, actually use it as, like, a bazooka. Yep. Put it on your um, shoulder, and... Yep. Yeah, exactly. Man, that thing was um, so fun. Yes, it was. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, retro games, they hold a, a near and dear place in our hearts. That they do. Um, you know, we, it's... it's well, I've said it multiple times during this this episode. It's what we cut our teeth on as mm-hmm. far as gaming goes. Yep. Um, you know, Tim had the Atari. What did you say? Twenty six hundred. I I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Like I said, I don't remember ever playing it, but I remember it being in the house. 
Yeah. So the the twenty six hundred sold thirty million units back in nineteen seventy seven wow. was when it released. That's actually more than the original Xbox, uh, which only sold twenty four million units. Not bad, not bad, um, Atari. And now we've got that Atari, whatever the heck that thing is that nobody wants. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you may you may have forgotten about this one, but the Philips CDI. We you remember that no, thing? No, no, we're, we're not talking about that thing. We are not talking about that thing. It doesn't exist. It sold less it than is a million ur- It is an urban legend. It does not exist. <laughs> Everything you've seen about it on YouTube is just, that's, that's fan-made content. That's, yeah. 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 <sighs> ah, man, now, now I'm kind of wondering, what, uh, where was the virtual boy in all of this? Oh, God, I forgot about that migraine-inducing piece of it literally made your eyes bleed folks yeah I'm not even like kidding. the red like, color wasn't because of the screen it's because the blood over your eyes yes <sighs> exactly like it was it was a cool idea but the technology of the time did not support it at all well not only would you get a not only would your eyes bleed but you would get like scoliosis from having to bend over like well, hunch over and look into this thing. F- fun facts i recently watched a uh, youtube video about the virtual boy i'll say this and we'll, we'll, we'll probably call it I think we're running a little over time, but the Virtual Boy, like, Nintendo wanted it to be a stopgap in between console generations, and all the initial ideas for it would have, in my opinion, made it a really good thing. They wanted full color. They wanted to keep the VR. They wanted it to be fully portable. But then Nintendo's like, well, hey, you know, the higher-ups are like, we really love the fact that you guys are so passionate about this. You're only getting, like, uh, 10% of the budget, though. Like, they, they got significantly cut, so they had to make those concessions of having that monocolor screen with it being portable. And by that, I mean you had to have a table with you at all times to play it. Um, right. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like, so, re- uh, retro gaming, you... I mean, if, 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 you know, if, if we're still doing this podcast here in 10 years, I'm sure we'll, we'll update this and talk about how we remember the day that Ian got his PS5 and... Uh, We'll be delivering this uh, via we'll, hologram. Then we'll be on the at that point. We'll be on the like uh, the the place the the Sony PlayStation I uh, eyeball ROM. Right. You know, you just download the uh, the software directly into your eyes. Um, which again, if anybody wants to invent cybernetic eyes that actually work, <laughs> sign me up. I, I've seen Ghost in the Shell. I, I I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> Hey, Spike Spiegel had a cybernetic eye, and it worked out really well for him. How, how did it work out for all the people he loved? Well, about as well <laughs> as it worked out for anybody else in that series. Exactly. So, um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one final nugget for you. Uh, the Virtual Boy Uh-oh. released uh, July 21st, 1995 in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was discontinued in 1996. Yeah. A year later. Yep. Having only sold 770,000 units. Ow! Ooh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, it was Ew. It was bad. I mean, what's sad and, was, like, uh, like, all the development money that went into that, but even by today's standards, a game, just a, a piece of software for the hardware that's already made, selling less than a million copies is typically considered an unsuccessful venture. For an yeah. entire console... To have sold less than a million, even in that era, is a phenomenal failure. Sorry, Nintendo, you, you you dropped the ball on that one, but you had a lot of other good ideas to kind of balance that out. So, 
Right. Uh, and here's also something for you. It oh. had a 20 megahertz CPU. Oh, my God. And they were trying to run... I'm pretty sure my cat purrs at more than 20 megahertz. And they were trying to run VR on that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Ouch. Well, on that terrible disappointment, yeah. uh, we are probably going to wrap up for the night. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Mm -hmm. uh, as always, you can catch us on your favorite social media platforms, Twitter, at Nerds. Facebook. Uh, please also find us on YouTube for the video versions of this Ooh. podcast. Uh, and you can also find our actual podcasts hosted on uh, Anchor.fm mm -hmm. and locate us on your favorite pa uh, platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, and six or seven other random ones that I don't remember. <laughs> uh, so... Um, with that, I think we will go ahead and wrap up for today. Thank you for joining us on this nostalgia-filled tour. We have been doing we... a lot of those lately. Yeah, maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's just the shine of us getting old. I don't uh, really may, know. May, maybe. I remember when what this was, was Orange Glows, as far as the eye can see. <laughs> we used to ride yes. the trolley. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it was only a nickel, and even then, that was more than we could afford. That was more food than we could pay for for a week. Oh, God. Uh, well, we're not that old. Not at all, uh, although we did grow up in BFE nowhere, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't even and have a trolley. For those of you that don't know what uh, BFE means, please, by all means, look it up, because I'm not going to tell you. Uh, or get a hold of us on our Facebook page. <laughs> yes, we might tell you there. Uh, so, anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, and as always, uh, tune in next time for our next great adventure, because... Mm -hmm. I'd tell you what it is, but we don't even know yet. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Drop us uh, some so suggestions anyway. on our Facebook page. Let us know what kind of things you would like us to cover. Or if you're on YouTube, leave it down in the comments. Isn't that a thing YouTubers still say? I, th I think so. Da is it down, down in the comments? Down in the comments. Click, click the bell. Click the bell. Like and you know, like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> I don't think we've ever actually pitched that before. <laughs> So pl I don't pl think so either. Please do. I mean, we, we, we do have several subscribers on YouTube, you know, Thank you all, I mean, for our subscribing to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah, please continue to do that. Reach out to us on Facebook. Let us know what kind of things you'd like us to cover. Maybe we'll cover that topic in a future episode for you. Yeah, exactly. And it makes our jobs easier because we don't have to think about stuff that we need to cover. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, I think that'll do us for do it for us today. Uh, for Non-Sequitur Nerds, I'm Ian. And, and I'm Tim. That's me. Good night, everybody. Bye.